good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are ready to do our summary of Galatians. Now I will be reading out of the Amplified Bible the verses that we read, but uh, first just a quick synopsis. For the most part, for Galatians, Paul is again um, refuting and uh, going against false teaching that some Judaizers have brought in to the Galatians and trying to get them to be circumcised and follow certain uh, rules and instructions under the law. Okay, so that's a big part of this letter. Again, this must have been happening a lot. Um, so, here again, Paul is needing to explain that they should not believe or follow these false teachers, that this is not part of the ministry or the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Alright, so uh, let's start with chapter 1 for instance. In chapter 1, Paul is surprised that they have believed these false teachers. Um, look at uh, verse 6. In verse 6, he says, I am astonished and extremely irritated. Now, I, I didn't say he was irritated, but, but this says he was irritated that you are so quickly shifting your allegiance and deserting him, Jesus, who called you by the grace of Christ for a different, even contrary, gospel, which is really not another gospel, but there are obviously some people masquerading as teachers who are disturbing and confusing you with a misleading counterfeit teaching and want to distort the gospel of Christ, twisting it into something which it is absolutely not. Now, that is actually verses 6 and 7, so just to mention that, because verse 6 starts the thought, and it does mention the biggest part of the thought that I wanted to, to bring out, but it also, I, I went on and read verse 7 because it completes the thought, and because he does talk about the, the false teachers. So, so as he continues in chapter 1, uh, Paul talks about, I think he's justifying his ministry to them and explaining um, his authority, he talks about the start of his ministry and how um, he began and how the other apostles and all were actually happy for his conversion because Paul had been someone who was pursuing them strongly in the past. But let's look at verses 16 through 19. So this is a little more than sometimes, but but I think this gets part of it across. Um, wait just a minute. I may have to... Well, let's actually start with 15 because it starts. The, the sentence really starts there. But when God who had chosen me and set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles as the good news, the way of salvation... I did not immediately consult with anyone for guidance regarding God's call and his revelation to me. Nor did I even go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and stayed a while, and afterward returned once more to Damascus. Now we don't know how long this while was, okay? Just saying. Now, verse 18, Then three years later I did go up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, Peter, and I stayed with him fifteen days. So he stayed with him, you know, that's two, that's basically two weeks, a little more. 
But I did not see any other apostle except James, the half-brother of the Lord. So, his authority, see, Paul's authority really comes from direct contact with the Lord, with Jesus. And Jesus revealed all to him. But, Paul did go back and, you know, see the other apostles and, and, and make sure that he was in... You know, he was trying to make sure I, I, that he was in uh, agreement, that, that the, everything was in agreement and everything was correct. Um, and they were they were happy for his conversion. You can read that uh, here at the end of the chapter. They were glorifying God, you know, in him because he had been converted. Now, if we move on to the next chapter, he continues to justify his ministry a little bit or explain the history of his ministry, I guess, is the best way. And he talks about he returns to Jerusalem 14 years later. Now, you have to realize we're talking about Paul's ministry at this point has been running close to 20 years then, as far as we can tell from these numbers. I may not be, I mean, just I'm just doing a rough addition here. Three years and 14 is 17, and then there's some extra time that we don't know about. So... I mean, but at least 17 years. So he's been on the, you know, uh, in the ministry here for a while. All right. So anyway, in uh, chapter 2, he returns to Jerusalem 14 years later. And he wants to make sure that, again, that he's teaching all and teaching all correctly. So we're going to verse 6 here. But from those who were of high reputation, whatever they were in terms of individual importance makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. He is not impressed with the positions that people hold, nor does he recognize distinctions such as fame or power. Well, those who were of reputation contributed nothing to me. That is, they had nothing to add to my gospel message, nor did they impose any new requirements on me. So he's talking about he went to see, let me get this here. But yeah, his concern was because of false brothers teaching, you know, and he wanted to uh, he wanted to go and make sure that everything was correct. So he went up to Jerusalem because of a divine revelation, and I put before them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. You know, and he did. He went before the the other apostles, the uh, the Christians in Jerusalem, the ones who. You know, they would have been considered the the overall church leaders at that time, the original apostle. So he went there to make sure that everything was correct. And they had nothing to add or change about what he was teaching. So then, in this same chapter, Paul goes on to uh, teach them. And he even gives an example where he uh, even had to speak to Peter on this matter but teaches them not to live under the law or according to the law. Um, we can go down to verse 21 as a good example of this, though there is a considerable amount here, but I'm just trying to give us the, the gist of the meaning here. Um, verse 21, which, my I'm sorry, my tired eyes are having trouble. There we go. I do not ignore or nullify the gracious gift of the grace of God, his amazing unmerited favor. For if righteousness comes through observing the law, then Christ died needlessly. His suffering and death would have had no purpose whatsoever. So he's encouraging them, he's instructing them and us 
to not live by the law, not by the rules and regulations, but we live under the grace of God. We accept his grace through Christ. If, if we live by the law and we create our salvation by following these strict rules and regulations, then, then Jesus served no purpose. There was no need for him to die on the cross. So his instruction here is to not live according to the law or by the law. All right, so now chapter 3, Paul continues, and he teaches that we do not follow the law, and that we are blessed as Abraham's seed, that our, our faith is counted for righteousness, much as Abraham's was back in the beginning, before the law, okay? So just as it was with Abraham, the law was for that time between. The law was for the time when the children of Israel left um, Egypt to the time of Jesus. And the law was there. Um, it's kind of uh, more just as a kind of a taskmaster uh, instructional purpose the law was supposed to serve. The law was not supposed to be... If you, if you look at it, the law was not really intended to be such a point of uh, condemnation that the Pharisees had turned it into. That... Uh, you know, they used it to basically exclude others from from being able to go before God. But this this chapter is about, like I said, uh, teaching us that we are uh, blessed as Abraham's seed and that our faith is counted for righteousness as his was, just as it was with him before the law. And uh, verse 29, And if you belong to Christ, if you are in him, then you are Abraham's descendants and spiritual heirs according to God's promise. Because Jesus was the seed of Abraham, and we are in Jesus. We are in the body of Christ. We are citizens of the kingdom through Jesus, so we are a part of that seed. So we are Abraham's descendants, spiritually speaking. Now, in a real way, because of the way things happened, we are also Abraham's descendants in a real way, um, in a sense that, well, maybe not. Is it Abraham's? Well, we are, we're descendants of Noah and we're descendants of, uh, Adam is what I was getting at. That, that's true in a real way. Um, but Abraham would be different. That's correct. So, so anyway, so we would not necessarily, but spiritually we are descendants of Abraham. We may not truly be descendants of him in a physical DNA type of way, but uh, spiritually we are. Now, going to move on to chapter 4. In chapter 4, Paul continues, okay, move to 4 for me, thank you, and talks about we are the children of God in Christ. And how we, again, do not follow the law and the false teachers, but instead we are the children of God in Christ, and how, you know, we are being, you know, we're taught as we're spiritually immature we're taught you know to like the do's and don'ts until we get to a point where we understand things better and we learn and do better but we do not follow the law and and false teachers but instead we are raised to a point where we are mature and we cry you know ah the father and we're no longer a slave or a bond servant but we're a son of god so let's move on to verse 17, 
where Paul is telling them, telling them these men, these Judaizers, eagerly seek to entrap you uh, with honeyed words and attention to win you over to their philosophy, not honorably, for their purpose is not honorable or worthy of consideration. They want to isolate you from us who oppose them so that you will seek them. So they're just trying to convince them and sway them to follow their way, which was really under the law and not the true Christian teaching that Paul was um, that Paul was giving them. Now, Paul continues on because we are uh, talking about not following the law and, and being free under the law of grace, under the new covenant. And he continues to talk about we're born of the free woman, Sarah. We are Abraham's descendants, but we're not his descendants, you know, spiritually again, of, of the slave woman, Hagar, but we are his descendants of the free woman, Sarah. So we are not bound or bond servants and slaves under the old covenant any longer, but we are born of the new covenant. Um, we're born of the free woman, and we are the spiritual descendants of Abraham in that sense. And so, uh, verse 31, So then believers, we who are born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose, are not children of a slave woman, or the natural woman, but a but of the free woman, the supernatural or spiritual woman, meaning we are spiritual descendants of Abraham. So that is that was um, that was his big point in uh, in push in chapter four. Now in chapter five, still again, he is talking and teaching them: do not accept the false teaching. Do not go. Uh, back under the law, do not follow those people, because um, we have this freedom under Christ, and we have this freedom of the law of grace. Look at verses. Now, this is verses 7 through 9. Let me find this so that I can... Okay. You were running the race well. Who has interfered and prevented you from obeying the truth? This deceptive persuasion is not from him who called you to freedom in Christ. A little leaven... A slight inclination to error or a few false teachers leavens the whole batch. It perverts the concept of faith and misleads the church. So he's just telling them, do not accept this. They were they were doing well when he left them. And then who has interfered with you? And this deceptive this deceptiveness of these false teachers, um, you know, has 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 persuaded them or or messed them up. And um, that a little leaven, a, you know, a little error, a little wrong teaching ruins the whole, um, ruins the whole congregation, ruins the whole, the whole church. So um, he also in verse in chapter five, I'm sorry, in chapter five, he encourages them to walk in the spirit to prevent carrying out sinful things. If we move down to verse sixteen. You'll see this. This is a, you could say it as a cure or a preventative. Um, but I say walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek Him and be responsive to His guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature which responds impulsively without regard for God and His precepts. In other words, 
If we will walk in the Spirit, following God, seeking Him and His righteousness and His kingdom first, then we will not carry out sins of the flesh. We will not carry out the wrongdoings because we will be seeking and, and going after the correct things. So it's a preventative just to follow God it will prevent you from doing the other things if you do that consistently and always make that your goal to consistently seek God. Now he also goes on and this, this is quite a big piece of this chapter and it's something that we all uh, refer to a lot. He also contrasts the works of the flesh, the, the sinful nature, and those things with the fruit of the Spirit, the results of following God and walking in the Spirit and pursuing His kingdom first because, well, because it's natural. I mean, it, this, this, uh, this, this is a contrasting of the two sides of us. Okay? When we walk in the Spirit and we follow God and we seek first his kingdom we we have we will have the fruit of the spirit now we may not be perfect at all times every second every day but we will have that and we will not fulfill these these works of, of the sinful nature or the flesh now this is several verses but I think it's worth reading again because it's important so uh, verses 19 through 24 now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total irresponsibility, lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now notice again that he says those who practice such things, practicing means you're just doing it over and over and over, you're doing these things all the time, okay? But, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence, Jesus, God's presence, the Holy Spirit within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to just wait, but how we act while we're waiting and how we are at peace while we're waiting and we're content. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. And see there, this goes back to part of that preventative cure. If we're chasing God and chasing the Spirit, then that's where our focus will be. We will have these fruits of the Spirit and we will not have these works of the flesh and we will not be practicing those, practicing those continually. Not that you won't ever uh, sin or make a mistake or perhaps do something on that list but that you would not be practicing them and and like you know when you're practicing something you do it over and over and over like to perfect it <laughs> so you don't want to be practicing those things if you get the idea um so that's a that's a big part of it and the fruit of the spirit this is the result of of using that preventative and and chasing after the spirit you know, it takes time to develop. You're not going to get that fruit overnight. It's not just going to boom and pop on you first thing. But, you know, you can have that. You can get there. You can work on it.
So again, now we're moving on to uh, chapter 6. Chapter 6 has a lot of good stuff in it as well. Chapter, I mean, all these chapters are good, but then 5 and 6 really seem to kick it up with, with good stuff that Paul has here. And uh, part of Paul's instructions in chapter 6 is to uh, bear one another's burdens, to help each other. Uh, you can plainly see this in verse 2, if I could plainly just see that. There we go. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ. That is the law of Christian love. That's very simple. Uh, verse 3, he says, do not think too highly of yourselves. You know, for us, don't think too highly of ourselves because we're not, you know, we're not better than each other. For if anyone thinks he is something special when in fact he is nothing special except in his own eyes, he deceives himself. So, uh, then, a little further down, because uh, he, he talks about we need to, you know, bear our own burdens and our own flaws and shortcomings and realize that we're all we're all very similar. That's why we're not better than one another. We have different roles to play, but we're all better than not not better than one another. So, um, but then he talks about supporting the work of of God, supporting God's ministers, and sowing seed into the spiritual kingdom. Um, and that is down in. Don't I have that here? There we go. Verse seven and eight. Let me get that for you. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treated with contempt, nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. For whatever a man sows, this and this only is what he will reap. And then in verse 8, For the one who sows to his flesh... His sinful capacity. This goes back to practicing. When you're practicing bad things, you're sowing seeds of bad, bad stuff that you're going to harvest and reap bad stuff. Um, so for the one who sows to his flesh, his sinful capacity, his worldliness, his disgraceful impulses will reap from the flesh ruin and destruction. But the one who sows to the Spirit will, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. You will, when you're sowing into God's kingdom and the spirit in the spiritual things then that's where you will reap and that's why you will reap you will have blessings and as you do good to others others will do good to you that's not going to be 100% all the time but still these things happen that's it's it's the law that God has set in motion that you reap what you sow and that's just the way he created things to be so that as we practice and work on things we get better and better at them that also includes following God's word, studying God's word, um, um, being more spiritual minded and less worldly minded. All of that is a reap what you sow thing. You have to practice that and put that time in and effort. And he's warning them here, don't put that time in practicing the bad things. Put your time in practicing the good things. And he does mention supporting the work of God and the ministers as well. And, and they are... You know, of course, there's other places where this is mentioned. They are, they are worth supporting, but that's one way that um, you can contribute into the spiritual kingdom of God and help spread the word of God. All right. So then, as another part of all these good things, um, in verse nine, Paul mentions, you know, do not become discouraged in doing good. 
Let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap if we do not give in. At the proper time, when we're needful or when we need it, we will reap a good harvest. And then in verse 10, I mean, these are just verses here that are just all, all good things. Um, in verse 10, do good to all people and especially to those in the body of Christ, because we should be helping our family, and they are our spiritual family. And that should not even need to be said, but it does need to be said because we're human beings. <laughs> we're just flawed human beings, and it needs to be said. But, but it, shouldn't, it shouldn't need to be said, if you know what I mean. We should automatically help our family, and our spiritual family would be included. Um, so it says, do good to all people, in verse 10. Um, so then, while we... Have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, uh, and especially to those of the household of faith. Now, I did leave out some of the amplified stuff, because sometimes, sometimes many words does not clarify the meaning. It does help me a lot of times, but sometimes uh, taking out some of those extra words clarifies the meaning and gets us back to the, the thought that we want to promote. Um, Anyway, so uh, then he reminds them that circumcision is meaningless. Being a new creation in Christ is what counts. And this is down in verse, verse 15. For neither is circumcision anything of any importance, or nor uncircumcision, but only a new creation, which is the result of a new birth, a spiritual transformation, a new nature in Christ Jesus. He tells them that is what is important. Then he mentions, again as, as like a little bit of a justification of, of his um, ministry and to remind them, uh, he's, he's, he mentions his scars as a sign of his servitude to the Lord. And uh, then he blesses them, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, my brothers and sisters. Amen. And that is the letter of Galatians. The letter to the church of Galatia. Ah, the, this is the Paul's epistle to the Galatians. So <laughs> I will just cut that short there. So that is his letter to them. And uh, you'll find that there are some surprisingly similar things as spoken of in some of the Corinthian letters and uh, the Roman letters. Um, but this is a shorter letter. Um, I take it that uh, their main issue was with the false teachers, and that's what he had to correct them on and get them away from that. And then he did encourage them to, you know, uh, do well, continue to do well for others, which is great. And that, that this all applies to us. If you read through this and, and realize what's going on, this all applies to us as well, because um, he explains how we are Abraham's seed uh, again, which... That, that is done also elsewhere, but I mean, he explains it here, and in Galatians he explains it pretty shortly, pretty quickly, and I think very well. Maybe the more times he explained it, the better he got at it. <laughs> that could very well be. So, so that is Galatians. Uh, next time, when we're, uh, when I'm back, oh, well, I've changed my screen. When I'm back doing this next time, we will be in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, I plan to just continue on, Lord willing, until, I don't know, until, until, uh, until we go home or something, okay? Alright, hope you have a wonderful day.
Remember to stay safe, and remember, God loves you.